Hello and welcome to the Lawyer Podcast. We are back and in business after the summer break. I'm Catherine Griffiths, editor of The Lawyer. And I'm Christian Smith, litigation editor of The Lawyer. And today we bring you a special edition live from The Lawyer newsroom. Yes, because over the summer the news emerged that US firm Paul Weiss was finally making a move for the London market. The firm has signed the Lionel Messi of the debt finance market, Neil Sachdev, who's leaving his home of two decades, Kirkland and Ellis. And earlier this week, we learned more about others joining the firm. These moves have got eyebrows raised, chins wagging and nerves jangling across the city as it becomes increasingly apparent that Paul Weiss wants to emulate its big-hitting New York practice in London. In the words of Matt Byrne, the lawyer's director of Insight, this is kind of a big deal. Well, on this episode of the podcast, we bring you all you need to know about Paul Weiss's big move. And to do so, we are joined by that very Matt Byrne, along with our deputy editor, City, Rachel Maloney. Matt, I think the best place to start here is to discuss Paul Weiss's history, uh, both in New York and here in London. Tell us about the firm. Yeah. Hi, Christian. Hi, Kat. Um, Look, this is uh, an absolutely huge deal. Who needs succession when you've got this amount of drama? Uh, it's uh, it's absolutely not hard to imagine the rather frank and heated conversations that have been going on. And, and I think it's about the it's the money involved here alone that suggests uh, those conversations will have got rather loud at times. If you look at the Paul Weiss lens for a moment, then that has basically been a minnow in London for the past 20 years or so. We've, we've tracked it in the US 50 report. It's only just made it into that report. It's only just been big enough to squeeze in there. Um, and the last figures we had for that, which were estimates, but we thought that, you know, it was around $70 million. So what's that, about 50 million quid, something like that? You know, compare that to Kirkland's London office, which is 600 million. What's what it's done now is this massive strategic handbrake turn because it's always been US only, avowedly US law only. And and I think what the London market have been watching and waiting for for ages and ages is when is Paul Weiss finally going to get on Mm. that bandwagon and go, you know what, having an English law capability in the city might not be a bad thing. And oh, my gosh. They've done it. They have done it. I mean, there's lots to unpack there, Matt, but I think there's, there is. it is a very weird thing because they were the, uh, I mean, not along with Wachtel, but they're a, even more of a sort of an odd category th- themselves. But Paul Weiss is the New York firm that had done nothing with London, the, the biggest Wall Street kind of name that had really done nothing. It was like this T-Rex on the, that side of the Atlantic, huge, huge player, had made massive moves in New York, nicking a whole bunch of partners out of Cravath, really kind of motoring on M&A. They were like this massive sort of Tyrannosaurus Rex with really weedy arms in London. And they were just, it was a really bizarre thing to see this kind of, you know, this monster yet, you know, quite yeah. puny, puny over here. And of course, you know, the sort of a firm like Paul Weiss probably doesn't want to do a bit of a service operation. I mean, Cravath, um, similarly, uh, you know, launched in London with a with a, a very good um, uh, debt finance team, but didn't have the scope of ambition, frankly, that Paul Weiss has got, because this is a big play for to disrupt the top end of the transatlantic hierarchy. Can I just jump in and ask, why haven't they done anything before now in London? Why did they have these little T-Rex arms? 
Uh, it depends about who's available. And I think sometimes it's about timing within the partnership, isn't it, Matt? You know, sort of sometimes the, the stars align. The yeah. fact is, yeah, and Neil Satchdiv and his team became available. We can talk about that in a minute. But actually, and if you want something to happen, and Satchdiv and his team clearly didn't want to be a service operation, they only wanted to be part of something that was really, really big. So I think there were, there's lots and lots of reason to do it. But But fundamentally, you know, when you've got a major client like Apollo, which is the huge sort of private equity client that, that Paul Wise services most of all, Apollo are kind of interested in having a very, very decent operation. So well, that's, what I, that's that's what I, the point that's really worth making and, and, and underlining that. And going back to your question initially, Christian, about, you know, the, the history of Paul Weiss. Paul Weiss was in the States as always seen as a litigation shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an absolute powerhouse disputes practice with a bit of corporate tagged on. And then you know, 10 years or so ago, it started to make moves to to even that out, hedge itself a little bit better, really go for the corporate and transactional deals market. Then it made a massive, massive play in New York with um, a Cravath partner, Scott Barche. And and what they're doing here is kind of replicating that because that they, they were jumping on the back of the of the private equity um, boom that market globalized and has continued to globalize and they've realized they're leaving money on the table. You know, they had a toehold in London and that's just not enough. And you can imagine the conversations where Apollo are going, listen, guys, be big in London and we'll give you, we'll give you the work. But you know, at the moment you've got nothing there. But I think it's also the, the case, isn't it, isn't it, Matt, that actually the firms that have made the biggest deal in London, Kirkland and Latham, are not were not of heritage classic Wall Street firms. Latham was a West Coast firm. Really, Kirkland, yeah. Yeah. Kirkland was a Chicago firm. And they, the, you know, expansion was in their DNA. And conservatism is in the DNA of, of the really big Wall Street players like Sullivan, like Davis Polk, like Paul Weiss, etc. So, so there's a, there's a difference here, I think, of nuance about the sort of firms they, that, you know, that are, that are making this, this huge, huge play. I mean, it's so aggressive. Well, well, let's yes. have a look at what they actually have done. I mean, I mean, Rachel, mm-hmm. can I ask, who have they hired? Kind of, what are they doing? So they've been quite cute about it, I think, in hiring teams. That's quite clever because it means that you probably have people who already know how to work together and there's less possibility of maybe friction because they already have that prior knowledge. Um, So there's the finance team, obviously, with Neil at the top. And then um, you've got the kind of M&A side. Well, no, it's not a side. It, it, they go hand in hand. They both need the, need each other. And then that's where you've got Roger Johnson, who used to be at Kirkland with Neil. And then Roger seems to have hired a ex-Linklaters, Kirkland, current Linklaters team. So they all will work in harmony is the plan surely and they've got tax people as well so um that yeah i mean that's the regulatory part yeah. of it that people really like i think i think this is the also the, also the thing it's not you know it is across the piece it's thinking what does what do our big clients need for a deal they need they need debt finance they need obviously m&a they need regulatory they need tax i you know they are going to hire a restructuring person they are going to hire a, a litigation person you know all of this all of this kind of stuff so that you know it's a proper build out and we haven't even talked about the associate bench that there's they're going to come with as well so it it is a sort of it's a mini law firm of itself to start with isn't it rachel 
Yeah, it is in a way. Um, will it be as big as Kirkland? Probably not. Mm. Although I was looking at Kirkland's partner numbers, I think in one of our own reports that Mr. Matt Byrne would have produced. And I think it was in 2015 that Kirkland had about 45 partners in London. Mm. So, mm. and if you think that now, they're now there at, at seven, 170, I believe. Mm. So mm. just think how quickly you can grow that if you really wanted to. Yeah. But I don't well, think they it will. Takes, it takes money, doesn't it? And I think this is the other thing that's, you know, really a character characteristic of this is, is the, as I say, the, the figures involved, eight figure remuneration sums, big eight figure remuneration sums, you know, that it's a big investment. It's a really big investment. And of course, there's no guarantee that it's going to work. We all think, oh, yeah, they're going to bring all these people over. But they, in, you could argue they've left it quite late. So uh, I, I don't know. I think it's going to work. <laughs> I don't see I'm slightly playing devil's advocate. <laughs> I'm sure. I think it's unlikely knowing that firm that they would have made a bet. It's a good bet on London as well. I think we it is a good applaud the city for, yeah. you know. I mean, we, we obviously focus on the UK side of it, but there is at the same time that the Satchdev team went over, there was a team from Kirkland in New York. Yeah on the debt finance and high yield side that went over. And that's also as important because they, they aren't seeing it as as a discrete London operation. It is a transatlantic we are offering. And it is that it is a, a total sort of um, vindication of you have to take a New York London approach to these yes. kinds of deals, specifically in this part of the market. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked endlessly about A&O Sherman, but really it's it's of that kind of dynamic in a kind of even more rarefied sphere. Matt, you've been looking into a bit of the data and the, and, and the money, really, behind what's going on in the city and this whole area. I mean, what can you tell us? Um, well, yeah, well, it's, actually, it's in the UK 200. And one of the subsets of the UK 200 is a, another ranking we call the City 50. And that merges US and UK London revenue. So nobody else does that. We've been tracking that for, for almost 10 years now. And it defines that city market. And this year, what I can tell you exclusively uh, for the first time is that every single firm in that 50 has a turnover in London of a hundred million pounds or more. And that's and it's about 50 50 US UK, which is phenomenal. If you think about that, you know, the it, the growth that that shows of of numerous US firms in London, not just Latham and Kirkland and Wilde and Simpson Thatcher and Scadden, you know, several, but, you know, getting on for 25 or more are more than 100 million. Now, Paul Weiss isn't going to be in there this year. It may well be in there next year. But what Paul Weiss's move shows is that that appetite for growth in London by US headquartered firms absolutely has not um, diminished. And, uh, you know, who knows where that's going to go. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I just thought that was quite astonishing. And I think there's, there's there's also, following on from that, there's two things to say. First of all, that, you know, so much of of uh, of that particular top end of the market is framed as a US versus UK narrative. And I think increasingly that that doesn't work, actually, as a as a sort of framing device at all, because yeah. Paul Weiss's Paul Weiss's move is not is not going to affect directly Linklaters or Freshfields or whoever here, despite the fact, actually, Rachel, you, you've noted this, that in fact, you know, virtually everyone that, that 
that Paul Weiss is hiring has um, a connection to Linklaters because they probably trade there or they work there or whatever. So sort of it is, it's there slightly sort of in in the background. Um, but this is something that that affects Paul Weiss's move affects most fundamentally Simpson Thatcher. It affects uh, Davis Polk, Sullivan. Kirkland, obviously, and Latham. And those are the firms that should be seriously worried about, about what's happening because they are also the firms that have got the money potentially to, to respond. So I think there's, that's, there's, there's that, first of all. I think the second thing is that quite often, you know, sort of outsiders, they look at these partner moves and they go, oh, is this just gossip? Oh, it's just gossip. It, is, it isn't gossip. Actually, the move, these partner moves have money attached and they have clients attached. And actually, you know, something like this means that there is power invested now in particular firms who will be hiring associates. So, you know, they, they create employment opportunities just in one move. So it isn't just about someone moving from one firm to the next and isn't that a little bit of gossip it isn't these are fundamental strategic decisions and really really major sort of hiring outcomes well let's look let's flip this for a minute and we'll talk about it from the point of view of neil satchdiff himself now now look i cover i cover litigation um so i will admit that i had not really heard much about this bloke but as soon as his name started being thrown around you know as kat said he's the lionel messi of of debt finance, it, uh, you know, it, it sounded like he was Father Christmas. Um, so <laughs> for those of us out there who are like me and do litigation or other things, Kat, who is Neil Satchdev? Why is he such a big deal? There's lots. There's actually lots of um, sort of. There's a multi-layered answer here, but um, the, re- the, re- the main reason he's a big deal is that he came to prominence and was an incredibly effective client man and advocate for sponsor power in negotiating debt terms with lenders at the start of the private equity boom. So in other words, the private equity houses that held all the ha- all the power were able to say to lenders, no, 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 uh, we're going to structure these deals pretty much as we want it. He was fundamental to that, that, you know, the rise of sponsor power <clears throat> and that muscle that it took. And, you know, his, his relationships with really massive clients like Bain and so on are, you know, they're just enormous. So, so, and, and within that, he was also able to influence the direction of work. This is the designation market going out to other law firms. So he sort of became a work giver to other law firms as well in terms of referrals. So the reason he's, but but he also was actually part of the original Kirkland cohort that built that firm. I mean, Rachel mentioned it, you know, it was a much smaller firm sort of 10 years, eight years ago, and it grew and he was very, very, um, he was instrumental to that. I think he would like to go back to that. I think he is the sort of person that doesn't like being in a major organization. He doesn't like the bureaucracy of it. He had huge rows with fellow partners, uh, one in particular, Stephen Lucas, um, and also with the sort of the exec board, you know, that sort of that the clashes were were legendary, really. So, so he's, he's got a lot of, um, of entrepreneurial spirit and he's a sort of a team builder in that way uh, unfortunately at Kirkland the teams became silos um, and they didn't sort of end up um, sort of getting on in quite the sort of harmonious way that they should have but the, the reason he's big is that he built the business that became the most powerful firm and they were able to break all the pay scales they were able to pay all the money they wanted I mean you talk to American lawyers and they talk about the Kirklandification or of of the legal market, you know what Kirkland was doing in terms of buying people in, made major law firms change their comp, their entire comp. So you know the, the, the sort of and that's not that's not a Satchdev thing, but you know this whole thing allied with with Satchdev actually mean, meant that Kirkland was a huge phenomenon um, in London. The question now is. Um, you know what happens to Kirkland now? Of course, it will carry on being an extraordinarily successful firm. Does it have the same 
uh, motor, perhaps, that it had five years ago. It already had slightly lost it because it was wanting to get big and much more institutional. So, um, so I think it was probably halfway down that path anyway. You could say with a move like this that, you know, the, the one thing Kirkland wouldn't want to appear as vulnerable or weak. Mm. And you could make an argument that right now it, it is showing mm. some of the signs that it's, it's vulnerable to a raid and further mm. raids. And who knows how far this is going to go? Mm. You know, I've been speaking to people earlier in the week about, you know, the, <clears throat> the possibility of whether other Kirkland partners would follow um, the initial group that went with Satchdev. And I think the interesting thing there is that, um, the way that the Kirkland partnership is structured, a lot of the junior partners are not full equity partners. So, in fact, you become a partner at five or six years yeah. uh, qualified. And that actually makes you quite often people will move on two or three years because they may, may not get full equity at Kirkland and they'll move somewhere else. Now, moving into a Paul Weiss uh, environment that has full equity is a really interesting thing because that implies to me that Paul Paul Weiss is doing something very interesting with their comp and their equity structure in London. So I, you know, <clears throat> I don't know the specific answer to that yet, but I think it is a really interesting way of of growth and uh, actually getting people out of Kirkland that were partners that wouldn't want to give up that title. Think about like Neil's big clients like Bain. No one else is going to be doing that work <laughs> if he'll just take it with them. So that's a great client for Paul Weiss just to have in London. Yeah. And, and the, and the, you know, the, the relationship with Apollo, it stops, you know, there are a whole bunch of firms that were, were servicing Apollo um, up till now. Well, they can kiss goodbye to most of that work, <laughs> you know, because Paul Weiss Although is going to make it. Um, Paul Weiss people that went to Sidley, maybe they'll be hoping to continue advising Apollo having done so before. Yeah. You can't see me at the moment, Rachel, but I'm going to raise my eyebrow. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I feel, I, <laughs> very powerful. Oh, my goodness, an invisible eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, just, just to wrap up here then, I mean, I, I think we were saying earlier that some of the firms that it might particularly impact outside those US firms are firms like Slaughter's and McFarland's. Are, are they, you know, should they be worried? So I think Slaughter's will probably be initially worried and continue to be worried because there's now a fear they might hire a public M&A person. But Kirkland never did hire a public M&A person. So in terms of competing for that work, those two didn't really do it. They were on the opposite side of deals I think they'll be continuing to watch and hoping that none of their people get attracted to this brand new excited firm. And I think the kind of same with McFarland's, to be honest. Mm. Because there, there is something, I mean, a few people have said this to me, there is something exciting about going and setting up your own new thing and, and, and trying something new. And, and as much as you can spend your life, you know, I mean, I mean, Neil did that at Kirkland. Um, and now he's doing it again. And, and I suppose that's the attraction for people at places like Slaughter's. Yes, I think that's probably true, actually. To, you, you don't get – there aren't many chances to be in a startup environment where there is, it's exceptionally low risk. I mean, I would consider, you know, Paul Weiss an exceptionally low risk kind of bet in terms of its, its success. Um, I think the question – I think the question is, is actually for associates – you know, if you are a Linklaters or a sort of Sorter May associate, what's your best bet long term? Is it to follow these teams to Paul Weiss and potentially never have a chance at partnership because they're going to be full in London for the next 
um, few years, you know, or do you stay put with the hope that uh, you'll be made up? I mean, by the way, this will also, there'll be a whole set of musical chairs now um, as because Kirkland will want to hire a few more debt finance people, 100%. So, you know, I mean, we've all got names that, that would be first on, um, you know, if I was Kirkland now, I'd be picking up the phone to a while and a couple of people there and trying to hire, hire some of them. But, you know, I think there are there, there's lots and lots of ramifications of this on the market as well that are sort of unlooked for, if you like, from, from the initial news. Well, look, we're back from the summer and already there is a huge new move in the London market to keep an eye on. So please make sure you go to thelawyer.com for all of the latest. Uh, We'll be back again in two weeks now that we're back from our summer break. And we look forward to you tuning in again. But until then, you take care and goodbye. Goodbye.